0: I'm Jamie Floyd, host of All Things Considered at WNYC. You're listening to Politics Brief, a collection of our very best coverage of the 2018 midterm elections. We'll share the sharpest and most timely talk, analysis, and original reporting from shows like The Takeaway, The Brian Lehrer Show, On the Media, and Radio Lab Presents More Perfect, and from the WNYC Newsroom, which is watching key races in New York and New Jersey. Enjoy.
1: We're going to start by taking a look at the midterm elections, which are just a month away. As if the Republicans didn't have enough to contend with, including allegations against Brett Kavanaugh that have made this the ugliest Supreme Court nomination for a generation, they have a president who tends to undercut them on the economy. Most Republicans want to stick with the positive numbers they have. They can boast about strong employment and economic growth. But Donald Trump, in case you hadn't noticed, is not most Republicans. Trump feels that tariffs and trade wars are a winning issue with his base, and he doesn't really care what economists think either, even economists in his cabinet. He's just imposed another enormous round of tariffs on China, and China has predictably retaliated. Staff writer John Cassidy has been looking at the administration's trade policies and how they're playing out during the midterm election campaign. He spoke with Sheila Kulhatkar, who reports for us on business and labor.
0: We're in this increasingly hostile period right now in terms of the rhetoric coming out of the Trump administration around foreign trade. And last week, uh, tariffs on $200 billion worth of goods from China went into effect. And China responded by adding $60 billion worth of tariffs onto U.S. products. And this comes after major tensions between the U.S. and Mexico, Europe and Canada over trade. How politically risky are these tariffs to Donald Trump as we head into the midterms?
1: Well,
2: I, I certainly think a lot of people on the Republican side would have uh, wished he'd waited until after the midterms just because they're already in bad shape. And even though, as I think we'll discuss, the trade, politics of trade are quite complicated, It, it, it basically it's a diversion from the good economic news which, you know, the sort of Paul Ryans and the Mitch McConnells of the world would rather be talking about a strong economy, low unemployment rate, high rates of economic growth, et cetera. Instead of that, the big economic news is, you know, Trump slapping more tariffs on Chinese, Chinese retaliating, it's going to hurt consumers, and um, it's going to hurt Republicans in a few individual states too, probably.
0: So, obviously, these tariffs are going to translate to higher prices and to to higher production costs. Um, How quickly do those effects start to be felt?
2: Well, I mean, the the effects of the previous round are already being felt. One of the examples is washing machines. They put tariffs on washing machines, and prices of washing machines have apparently gone up ten, fifteen percent, and the sales have gone down. Obviously, these things have to come around the world, so it takes a, it doesn't. It's not immediate, but the two hundred billion that have been slapped on last week, you know, that's probably going going into effect over the next month or so. And what's new about these tariffs is. The 200 billion are on a very wide range of goods, 6,000 and lots of sort of consumer goods, desktop computers, lighting fixtures, furniture, some forms of clothing, etc. So that's really going to start hurting the consumer rather than just businesses and farmers.
0: How is this likely to help Trump? I mean, the timing of this and uh, the way he keeps bringing it up over and over <laughs> suggests he thinks this is going to help sell his message to certain groups of people. So what, what's his rationale for well, thinking it will help?
2: Again, I think we have to go back to the fact that the basic fact about the American economy is it's huge $20 trillion of GDP. It's just an immensely complicated machine with 300 million people, thousands and thousands of different industries, hundreds of thousands of firms, etc. So if you slap a bunch of tariffs on things, and there's retaliatory tar- tariffs, different sectors, different industries, even in within states get hit differently. Now, Trump's big argument and the big political argument for him has always been he's defending the sort of industrial Midwest, the Rust Belt. And you can see that the basic policies are pretty popular there. You can see that from the reaction, for example, of Sherrod Brown, a Democratic senator who's up for election in Ohio in a close race. And he has supported Trump's steel and aluminum tariffs. And he's also urged Trump to stay tough in talks with China and not give in. So clearly, Trump's policies play some places. They play in the Rust Belt. They play in big sort of centers of steel. But at the same time, they don't play it elsewhere. Just across the border in Missouri, for example, Claire McCaskill is attacking Trump because his um, import tariffs on steel and aluminum are hurting local factories which use those goods as raw materials. There's a nail factory which is about to close or is threatening to close and she's blaming the tariffs. So this sort of cuts, you know, at quite fine levels in, 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 within different states. Um, you can see other states, too, where the Republicans are actually on defensive about trade and the Democrats are the ones who are attacking. I mentioned Missouri. There's also uh, Tennessee and uh, North Dakota. Well,
0: I, w- I was just going to ask you a bit about how the tariffs are playing out in the Tennessee Senate race. So the Democratic nominee, Phil Bredesen, is a former governor, popular in the state, Uh, But is it unusual that the Tennessee race would be so close?
2: It is, yeah. I mean, Trump won the state, I think, by 25 or 26 points in 2016. So you would think this would be a – the Republicans would be home free here. Um, And it's obviously Bob Corker who's retiring, so it is a Republican seat. It's much, much closer than the Republicans would like. Bredesen is not in the lead, Marsha Blackburn, the Republican congressman is trying to replace her, still holds a narrow lead in all the polls, but it looks like you know we're talking three or four points and uh, it's sort of within the margin of error and one of the reasons is hitting the Republicans hard on trade, pointing out for example Chattanooga Tennessee is a big b m w factory. they all use imported steel and imported goods, which are being hit by tariffs, so you know that's a typical sort of southern republican state where you think trump's policies would be popular but in this case they seem to be playing against him
0: and how is his um opponent handling the trade issue then
2: well you see this in tennessee and in north dakota it's very awkward it's it's a sort of paradox here some of these Republican voters don't like the trade policies, but Trump is still very popular in these states. If you look at his approval ratings, much higher there than nationally. So they don't want to distance themselves from Trump, both because he's popular and because if they do distance themselves from him, he may well start attacking them on Twitter. They need his support. So they're generally, what you're seeing is they're... um, expressing concerns about the impact of some of these tariffs, but they're not coming out straightforwardly and saying, this is a mistake, you know, we need to end this trade war. They're trying to straddle. And that's why it's a good issue for the, um, for the Democrats, because they've got these candidates pinned. They can't distance themselves from Trump, but they don't want to defend Trump's unpopular policies.
0: So in North Dakota, the Democratic Senator Heidi Heitkamp uh, just ran an ad about how tariffs are hurting soybean farmers. Yeah, Let's take a listen to that. China is canceling their contracts to buy soybeans. North Dakota is losing hundreds of millions of dollars worth of business. But when you ask Kevin Kramer
1: why he supports the trade war, he criticizes farmers. But I hear all kinds of hysteria. There's a potential short-term pain. We don't have a very high pain threshold in the United States of America.
0: Mr. Kramer, that trade war is costing my family a lot of money, and you don't seem to care. The administration announced a $12 billion aid package for farmers, a sort of farmer bailout package to help them cope with the tariffs. Do you think that's going to be enough to help counteract this argument about how he's inflicting pain on on farmers?
2: Well, I think it certainly helped us to some point. I mean, I love the Republicans. They're always in favor of socialism for farmers, you know, <laughs> capitalism, capitalism for everybody else, socialism for the farmers. But um, I mean, if you just sort of going on a sort of um, ad hoc basis, listening to the vox pops that have been done there, farmers seem to be saying, yes, they they welcome the relief from this bailout. But they'd much rather to be selling to be selling their goods properly, and they don't want this trade war to go on forever. Now, then, do you? So, then, when you say to them, "Well, is it bad enough that you're going to vote against Donald Trump or vote for the Democrats?" You don't seem to get very many yeses as yet. But if it goes on and on, you know, we shall see whether it, uh, it may have more political impact. Trump is selling it as a temporary thing, which is you know short-term pain for long-term gain, which is exactly what Kevin Kramer is saying in it, in, in uh, North Dakota as well.
0: Do you think it's really temporary?
2: Well I don't think it's temporary. I mean, it looks to me like Trump likes tariffs. I mean you know he don't have to doesn't look to me he looks to he says it every day on Twitter. You know tariffs work. I think there's a division in the White House though there are some people in the Trump administration who um see tariffs as just a way to um bully the Chinese into giving up some of their mercantilist practices and you actually see some support from that even in the sort of economic policy institutes in in Washington. The sort of feeling is that negotiating with the Chinese hasn't been that successful so somebody had to do something, they don't necessarily support Trump, but they can see a certain logic to it. But you know, that is a completely different argument imposing Trump's tariffs temporarily so the Chinese have to belly up to what Trump seems to be talking about is permanent tariffs so we can, you know, rebuild the steel industry and rebuild all sorts of industries in the in the heartlands in order to do that you would need very heavy tariffs indefinitely and i think that's more to Trump's liking i don't think he sees this as temporary at all
0: as the midterms get closer, do you think the Democrats have been effective at developing a consistent message around this trade issue?
2: Well, I think Democrats don't want a consistent message around it because they want their candidates to have a bit of flexibility. I mentioned the example of Sherrod Brown in Ohio, who is basically not completely supporting Trump, but supported the initial tariffs and has expressed sympathy for the overall approach he's taking to China. Whereas... You know, in California and New York and places which tend to be very deeply integrated into sort of the world economy in a different way, most of the Democrats in those areas are coming out completely against, against the tariffs.:
0: Is the fact that there's now a little bit more flexibility around this issue maybe a healthy sign? Because for a long time, there seemed to be just agreement on both sides that free trade was generally a good and desirable thing, now there's a little bit more of a debate around it. Maybe that's good. Well,
2: Well, I mean, if you believe in political diversity, I mean, I guess you can make that argument. There always were people on both sides, you know, who were were protectionists. Pat Buchanan ran as a protectionist in 92 for the Republicans. He just could never break through against the um, sort of uh, country club. Chamber of Commerce, Republicans, as I say, Gephardt and others in, in the Democratic Party. I think that diversity opinion has, has always been there. What's changed is that, you know, a protectionist has taken over, demolished basically everybody else in, in, in the Republican Party. So that's a big difference. And, I, you know, whether you think that's good or bad basically depends on whether you think that Trump's right on this trade stuff. And I think that um, he's not right overall. I mean, I think he's responding to some legitimate grievances in some parts of the country from some industries and uh, some legitimate grievances about Chinese uh, mercantilism in some areas. But overall, starting a huge trade war, you know, it's a bad idea. There are other ways to go about this. You can do it through the WTO. You can, you know, if we're going to take on the Chinese, we need the support of the Europeans. We need the support of Canada, the support of um, Mexico. Trump's just blundering in because he thinks if I just slap tariffs on everybody, you know, they'll buckle to me. And I, I think that's the wrong way to go about it. And it's not going to work.
0: Thanks for talking to me, John.
1: Thank you. That's John Cassidy speaking with Sheila Cole Hatkar, and they're both staff writers at The New Yorker, and you can find all of their coverage, trade and business, at newyorker.com.
0: Thanks for listening to Politics Brief. If you want more, go to wnyc.org election.